When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, it's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we tackle your questions on just serving snacks at dinner time, treating an au pair to dinner out, sharing on social media after a split, and how to handle post-wedding frustrations. All that plus a postscript segment on frustrating phone calls coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So, LP, I'm curious. How are things on the home front? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, the house is under construction, so that's like... Me too. Pooj uh, and I are painting. You're painting? Yeah. So, tell me something. How You've been a homeowner for a while, and this is mm-hmm. the first home that Pooch has owned. Yes. And is that, like, are, are maybe some revelations happening? I remember when I first became a homeowner eight years ago. Brilliant questions. You know, things <laughs> that you think of, like those DIY shows that are like, oh, you can paint a bedroom in an uh-huh. afternoon. It's like, yeah, if you want it to look nice, it's going to take two days. <laughs> I, I turned to Pooch the other day. We're walking down the walkway up to the front of the house. And I said, you know. You've been here a couple years. <laughs> I've been here a few years longer than that. I am taking so much inspiration from you right now because she is. She's still in the the new phase of home ownership where it's just one big exciting project after another. You can't wait to tackle that next thing and make the place better. Whereas for me, it's I'm like, four or five years into the comfort done? zone. Yeah, no, it's 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 true, but it's um. But I am taking that approach to it, and I'm I'm seeing the world through her eyes in this particular place right now. Can you, is she starting to see the world through your? I love Pooja, so I don't mean this to come off <laughs> as like harsh on on Pooj. But like, is she seeing the world through your eyes that like maybe some things are a little harder? I'm gonna take they, a little bow here. Yes, you're good, taking a bow. Good, good husband okay. time, mini bow. Uh, she was away last week. She went to visit her sister yeah. in New York. They went and saw some incredible theater and had sister time. And I stayed home and painted the house. And she came back and it was essentially done. It's not a big place, a little cabin. But the following weekend, we're doing some of the edge work, some of the touch up. And I think she realized just how much work had gone into getting that place <laughs> painted the weekend before. Right now, the the home front is is really quite nice, and the place is looking great. Oh, that's great! So man. yeah, let's let's. Uh, I'm curious. At my home, mm-hmm. it's well, the construction is underway, so that's just always complex but good. But you know, I've realized something living with one of my best friends, which is a new. I haven't lived with a really close friend since college, like someone who I've known for a while and then lived with. I've yeah. become good friends with. Roommate. But I haven't done that in a while. And 
I'm noticing in my head how when there are frustrations or difficulties or things that we're going to need to talk about, I'm noticing how much knowing her plays into my brain and how I'm experiencing the issue because I can say things like, I know you didn't intend this or you might not have seen this this side of it coming, but this is how I experienced it when I came across it. Mm-hmm. And it it's helping so much because I just don't get as angry and hurt, I feel like, on the yeah. inside. Like sometimes when it comes to your living situation, you can get that really deep. I mean, anyone out there, you know, you know, the, the roommate thing, it can feel very personal Ooh, because it's where it is, it is really personal. And when it's not your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or your wife, there's a fear of loss of friendship. There's a fear of, of loss of roommate. And then finan- this is a financial commitment that you have with someone. And it's really yeah. nice to be able to to know that I'm going to be able to communicate with her about things, to to give her the benefit of the doubt when we're yeah. talking, to be able to say, this happened and I know you have good intentions or this, that, or the other thing, or for her to be able to say, usually with me it's cleaning, um, you know, I, I did all this, it would be great if you could do all this too. <laughs> like, it's nice to kind of know each other moving forward through the day-to-day awkwardness that can happen when you live with someone. So I'm really loving my living situation right now. Good times. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Despite news. the house being under construction. <laughs> but I'm excited about that, too. I can't wait for it to finish. So as, yeah. you know, things settle down and as we go into the next season, I feel like just it's a good home environment when we're going to be then trapped in a home together for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's Vermont There living. is no escape. There's no escape. What do you think? Do you think we should get to some questions? I think we should. Okay. <laughs> You're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn. But it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. Let's on every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get to some questions. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. This is Eric calling from Los Angeles. And I have an etiquette question about entertaining. Uh, I like to have friends over to play cards. It's a very informal get-together. And I make it clear on my invitation that I will be supplying drinks and snacks, but it's not a dinner party. Um, These parties usually start around 7.30. I usually put on the invitation uh, on a weeknight or on the weekends. And I was recently told that this is bad form and I should be uh, serving food and, you know, providing a meal. Um, I feel like I'm making it clear on the invitation that it's snacks and drinks and it's sort of your responsibility to maybe get a bite ahead of time, but I don't want to be in the wrong. What am I doing? Is it okay? Thank you. I love this question. Me too. A, I love the fact that he's throwing cards parties I was, I and doing drinks like we do. Yay, <laughs> we wish we lived in L.A. and could come to your parties. I think he's in the right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this other person, go eat your dinner before or after. Yeah. And I love freaking, you're talking <laughs> to someone who'll eat snacks for dinner. <laughs> we did it last night at the party. Yeah, exactly. A, a, a smorgasbord is one of Pooja's my favorite things to do. You just lay out a great big cutting board and just start putting yummy stuff on it until yeah. you've got enough food out to eat. Yeah. And I mean, I could see if you just had a bowl of pretzels and some, you know, Cokes out that maybe that's not quite enough. Um, I might invite people to bring hors d'oeuvres as well to help beef it up. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think you could invite people to bring things to do kind of a potluck that way. I don't think you need to serve dinner, though, and I think you make it clear. I think you're totally in the right. I think yeah. this person is just kind of wanting to call you out, and they don't really have reason to. 
We rarely ever do that. We rarely <laughs> ever say that. It's so true. It is. It felt good. But I'm going to go back to the start. I want to applaud you for Yay, hosting a card Eric. game and making an effort to send invitations and let people know what you're doing ahead of time. You sound like an excellent host. I love it. And we hope you have lots of fun card parties and that you win the game. This question is about whether to treat or not. Dear Lizzie and Dan, first off, thank you so much for your awesome podcast. I only wish it were around when I was getting married. I could have used your advice. Anyway, I'm glad I found you. I am a devoted listener now. Thank you. My question is about a situation that seems to arise each year, and I'd like advice before this happens to us again. My husband and I host an au pair from another country to care for our kids. It's a one-year job, so we welcome a new au pair each year. We're with our fourth au pair right now, and we'll soon interview for our fifth. We have a family handbook that explains job requirements as well as info about our family and kids and the way we run the household. And we talk through the most important parts together when she first arrives. The one topic that also seems to be awkward when we discuss it is dining out together. As a host family, our requirement is to provide room and board. This means we pay for groceries and make sure our au pair has food to eat. We always invite her to eat meals with us if we're cooking and sitting down together at the table. We're not required to bring her with us or pay for her if we go out to a restaurant, unless it's during work hours when we require that she join us. However, for the most part, we welcome our au pair to come out to dinner with us, and occasionally we offer to treat her, but we do not want her to expect that we'll pay for her every time. In order to avoid this expectation, we think it's best to discuss it up front, but it always seems to be an awkward conversation, and even when we think they understand, there is often confusion. They never offer to pay or contribute when we're actually at the restaurant, so we usually end up just picking up the whole bill. Is there any advice you could offer to make this a less awkward discussion up front, as well as advice on how to approach the topic again if she does not offer to contribute at the restaurant? It's possible this is just a cultural difference or their lack of experience on handling these situations, but it's very frustrating. Thanks, Amanda. So I have a thought about this that actually kind of eliminates the conversation aspect. The the awkward conversation that you're having, it's awkward because what you're asking is awkward. Mm -hmm. There's no clarification as to which times are times when you'll be treating her and which times are times when you'll not. Oh, sometimes it's not bad. We don't mind trainers sometimes, but not all the time. You, you just I, I'm just going to flat out say you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's this is a situation where this person comes to live with you. I think you need to put up better boundaries, more concrete boundaries. Awesome. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. 
you'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories. Some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. And on the nights where you don't want to be paying for her at the restaurant, you don't invite her to the restaurant. She mm -hmm. has a night off at the home or she can, you know, go hang out with friends that she's made. She can just have free time that evening. Um, obviously, on the and as you've said in, in your email, obviously on the nights where she's – it's like work hours and she's actually there babysitting, um, being an au pair at the dinner, then the, you pay for her meal and that's a part of it all. And yeah. that's wonderful and good. And I, I'm, I'm actually – really glad to see that you have that covered because I have heard of families who don't and that's incredibly awkward because now the person is saying hey I'm working here tonight yep. and you're not going to pay for it and that's not our agreement so I think you've already got the the really fair part of it covered mm -hmm. but again it is your responsibility to pay for her room and board and if you're inviting her to go out for that dinner for the night you're paying for her for that dinner I don't think it's fair to put that on an 18 year old kid you know as like, oh, well, this time we paid, but, you know, this time we're not. And that's it's why you're experiencing the awkwardness is because yeah. it is awkward. Yeah, it's difficult for them to help you make that judgment call. Yeah. And that's OK. That's absolutely it OK. I think that's a really yeah, important this part of all thing, this. Is yeah. like, it's totally OK. I, I, I nannied for families on the vineyard in the summer and mm -hmm. there would be nights where they would all go to the yacht club for dinner and I was home because they wanted it to be family meal. They were on babysitting their own – taking care of their own kids, not babysitting <laughs> them. I was off. Therefore, I stayed at home and made a sandwich. It's not awkward. It's the way that it should be. And yep. so it's unless – It's a professional relationship yeah. and – And other times when – when they wanted me there as a treat because it was fun, we would all get to go and they always made it very clear we would love to take you to dinner tonight. Yep. I think unless you say that, it's we're going to dinner, we'll see you when we get back at 10, you know, or when you get back from your evening out, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm imagining from the au pair's perspective, if your host family says, oh, we're heading out to dinner, do you want to join us? That's an invite. That's an invite. It's And it would be hard for them maybe to say no Oh, because this is the family you're living with and you should be connecting with them and spending time with them. It so puts your, pressure your, your, on them your to inclination say yes. is to say yes. And if your inclination is to say yes and then the expectation is that you're then paying for yourself, that's where you start Awkward. to have layers of awkwardness. Yeah. So make it clear from the get-go and then you won't have to worry about which nights she's going to pay for herself and which nights you're going to pay for her. We hope that advice helps with a potentially tricky situation. As is often the case, questions about something that's happening in the future tend to be good ones because they give you a chance to head this one off at the pass. Good, good luck, luck with au pair number five. <laughs> How much to share? This is an interesting question. I like it because it applies to all kinds of friends. You know, people are always getting together and breaking up. And, you know, when do you choose to share 
when you're still friends with someone and their life is moving on on Facebook. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. You always put crazy situations like this in such calm and practical terms, so I'm hoping you can help me out. Years ago, a polyamorous couple that I've been close friends with for ages brought a third partner into their lives, with whom I became good friends as well. Sadly, the relationship with this third person ended badly, with hurt and anger and bitterness on everyone's part. I remained friends with this third person afterwards and made it clear that I would not involve myself in this incredibly personal situation and would not choose between her and the original couple. Everyone's fine with this arrangement, and I have been careful to not gossip or bring up either party at all in the other's presence. Now, the third person has moved to another country where she is getting married next month, and I will be attending the wedding. I have not told the original couple about this, which is easy since we no longer live in the same state, but I'm wondering if it would be better if I did. This is still a sensitive topic for them, and I have no desire to rub their faces in it, but there's a very good chance that photos will show up on social media. This is also an extremely exciting trip for me, my first outside of the U.S. or Canada, so I would like to share my own photos as well. Would it be best to tell this couple, whom I adore and would hate to give any reason to feel betrayed, where I am going and why? Or should I not bring it up and perhaps try to restrict who can see my photos for that week in an effort to spare their feelings. I'm not sure if they would appreciate my honesty or if they would be upset at my bringing up bad memories. Thanks in advance and keep up the excellent work. Your podcast makes my daily train commute a saner and more (laughs) polite place. Much love, Anonymous. Hi, Anonymous. This is such a modern-day problem. <clears throat> it is. I'd like to start off by congratulating you on a wedding invitation and a first international trip. <laughs> That's exciting. Really exciting. I'm. exciting. Uh, I think there's there's not as much difficulty here as this question might imply. I think so, too. Uh, um, people are – exes happen. <laughs> exes just happen, and it's often a little bit awkward, and that's the nature of exes, and people people get through it. People survive it. You mentioned right at the top of the question that everybody involved was aware that you were still in communication with everybody else, and I think that that alone is enough of a preparation for this couple to – Oh, look at that. Pictures popped up on the Facebook of you at this person's wedding. I guess they're still in touch. I guess since that horrible breakup we had years ago when I knew that old friend was still in touch with that person, they maintained that relationship. There's nothing necessarily awkward about that. As far as whether you should seek out the other friends to let them know, to give them – Maybe a little more warning or a little more preparation. I don't think I would look for them to do that. If you're already communicating with them on a regular basis, if it's not unnatural, to slip that piece of information into a conversation that would make a lot of sense anyway. I'm so looking forward to my big trip coming up. You might not know what I'm going to so-and-so's wedding. Bam. <laughs> um, yes, but that works. If, exactly if you're already you talking to them, you're excited about the trip. See, you're good at sample language. <laughs> when it's an easy situation. <laughs> um, okay. But I say go to the wedding. Enjoy. Don't worry about hurting or offending anyone else in the process. It's up to them to to continue to live their lives in a way that's full and complete and they're not worried about what their exes are doing with other friends of theirs. I got nothing to add. That's great advice. That's all of it right there, man. You really summed that up well. I'll give, I'll give a final applause. Yes. On your careful use of social media, being aware of sharing information that might be potentially hurtful to someone else. There, There is a point of good etiquette there. I think you're in pretty safe territory on this one. Have a wonderful trip. Our next question is from a befuddled bride. 
Dear Dan and Lizzie, I am a brand new listener to your awesome podcast and have been recommending it to everyone I know. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) I want to thank you for inspiring me to work harder on my etiquette and how I present myself to the world. I also have to commend you on not shouting, who does that? After every question you hear, because I find myself doing that in the privacy of my own home while I listen. I love that so much. It's a vivid picture. I know you have been getting a lot of wedding-related questions lately, due in part to Dan's recent nuptials. Congratulations, Dan. Thank you so much. I hope you had a great launch Launch party party into into marriage. marriage. We did. That was that's a great description I love of a this wedding. writer. I really do. Um, since weddings are basically one chance after another to have an etiquette slip or offend someone, I'm hoping you will not mind answering my question about plus one invitations. My husband and I got married in the middle of August. Congratulations back on your also recent nuptials. I know. It's awesome. We are both lucky enough to have large families and friend groups, so we were limited to our venue's capacity and our budget to give all of our guests a plus one to the wedding. To make things consistent, we limited plus ones to our friends and family who have a significant other or who would not know anyone else at the wedding. In a perfect world, there would have been no limit, but at a 300-plus guest list, this is the hand we were forced to play. I have two cousins who do not fall into either of the above categories. They are in their late 30s, have never been married, were not dating anyone at the time, and since they are family, we're going to know plenty of people at our wedding. Sticking to our rule would have meant not giving them guests. But the last wedding in our family, they were not given guests due to similar restrictions, and they made sure everyone, including the bride and groom, knew they were put out by it. In the interest of avoiding this situation, we decided to give them plus ones. (laughs) On their RSVP cards, they wrote their names followed by and guest. Okay, so that means that they didn't know who they were going to invite, but they were going to invite a guest. That's the way I read it. Okay. In the weeks leading up to the wedding, I had not heard from either of them on the name of their guests for the escort cards and seating arrangements. I reached out to them a week before the wedding, and they both said they would get back to me. They both did, but not until after all of our vendors had been paid, the seating arrangements had been made, and the favors had been wrapped neatly in their bows. They both said that they could not find a guest to bring, so they would be coming solo. Most people by now are able to realize their blunder. We paid for them to have guests that would not be coming. I fought my instincts to call them up and voice my frustrations <laughs> in the moment I received their texts. But in the weeks following the wedding, I found myself wondering if I should say anything to them about what happened. I have siblings and cousins who are getting married in the next few years, and I would like to be able to help them avoid our situation or the one from the other wedding. Their etiquette blunder did not break our budget, but it did leave my husband and I feeling a little miffed about our generosity being taken for granted. Any advice you have to give me on my exceedingly long question <laughs> would be much appreciated. I know plus ones are a hot topic of debate on both sides of the aisle. Fun. So I am interested <laughs> to hear your thoughts on how I could have better handled the situation or how I should handle it from here. Regards, befuddled bride. This is such a great question. You have heard us talk about plus ones plenty of times. We talked about RSVPs in recent episodes, in fact. But here, I I really wanted this question read aloud on the show, even though it was long, because it really gets at why that's a complicated situation, because vendors get paid, because seating arrangements get made. Um, Plans get made around the amount of people that are going to be at this wedding. And it really, you know, even that waiting until the week 
of the wedding was really horrible for them to wait that long to do the RSVPs. I mean, that's this yeah. was not good etiquette on these guests' parts. Agreed. And I can understand that our bride is thinking about past times when these people were really hurt by the fact that they didn't get a plus one. Um, you know, I think weddings used to really be a place to meet people because it was family and friends and that sort of thing. And then they kind of became a place where you brought someone to. And huh. I... I personally have attended numerous weddings on my own and have enjoyed it much more because I got to introduce myself to other people and I got to meet other people and have a lot of fun and I'm confident I can hold my own if I'm at a party alone. So it's an opportunity I look for to not have a guest all the time at a wedding. But this question actually really gets at the heart of something that many couples deal with post-wedding. And I don't know if you felt this, but there's a lot of feelings of frustration, hurt, and disappointment. You have spent a year plus sometimes planning a big day that's over in eight hours. And there's all these considerations you've taken for your guests. And then this nasty little thing happens. And it's a little thing. Our bride has said, this didn't affect our budget. It didn't break our budget. But we felt miffed. And that is something a lot of brides and grooms feel or mothers of the bride and groom, you know, fathers of the bride and groom feel afterwards. And it's almost like the wedding blues. And it comes a couple weeks after the wedding and you look back and you get mad at your friend for how she behaved. You get mad at your sister for how she acted. You get mad at your brother for, you know, drinking too much. Or you get mad at this person for bringing an extra guest when they didn't. And the truth is you got to take a darn big breath and let it go. It's, I've never thought of this before. You raise a really interesting <laughs> kind of thought. Uh, it's real. It's funny. This was not the direction not or approach I was taking on this question. Yeah. I, 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 you like I, it. I do. So what I love is that you, you haven't done anything yet, and I'm actually going to suggest that it's not going to solve anything or put anyone in their place to mention to these two family members now their mistakes and, yeah. and how rude they were. You're not going to solve anything by doing that. My thoughts moving forward are that um, this is one of those things that you kind of store in your lessons learned bank and you pull it out. So you're talking about other family members who are engaged in planning weddings. And if they ask you about what to do regarding these two family members, these two cousins who, who are single right now. They might have relationships by the time those weddings come along, and then it's not much of an issue. But then use that 2020 hindsight to provide, say, you know, they might be grumpy about it, but let me tell you, they were pretty indecisive when it came to choosing a guest. So if they are single by the time of your wedding... Just give them the car, you know, yeah. give them the the not invite or, you know what, better to keep them from griping to everybody. So don't do it. But, you know, or give them the plus one. But be prepared. They might not show up with anybody. Yeah. Or, you know what, I really wish I had forced them to give me the RSVP three weeks in advance before I paid the vendors. And that really would have solved the problem for us. Mm-hmm. That's their timeline. It's respecting us and our budget. So I think you want to use it. But going back and rehashing it. You know, voicing anger, that rarely helps a relationship. So instead, put it in that learning curve file and and save it for when someone asks your advice. I'm going to tell you, as you went on, you won me over. Oh, I thank you. I was taking – when I first read the question, I had a slightly different approach. What did you think? And I I keyed on the fact that these two cousins had circulated the news in the family. How disappointed they had been that they hadn't – in other words, they – Put the word out in the family we network. We want the plus one. We, <laughs> we want, want the, the plus one. Yeah. But I also I liked the way you started from the real point of etiquette saying that guest lists are your choice. They are. And whatever you're hearing through the grapevine or the buzz or your best yeah. friend is whispering in your ear, it's really your call, your choice. And 
I had been thinking to myself that in the right spirit, not necessarily venting anger or frustration, that getting some word back to them that this had really been a faux pas (laughs) isn't horrible. And the equivalent I was thinking, I was trying to decide how much to share, is the the little messengers that bring word in the family to me when I've screwed up. The little birdies. When my mother tells me, you know, Uncle So-and-so would really appreciate a thank you card for what they did for you, X, Y, or Z. Or... You could pick up the phone and call so-and-so. They made an effort to do this and they haven't heard from you about it. And right. sometimes I've appreciated that voice That's not a bad in thought either. And I don't know idea, whether these two would respond to that, but I think that's not a bad idea. And, and talk to mom, talk to dad, talk to Auntie Carol. Whatever that network it is that got that message to you, you could just real soft touch back into that family network. You know, so-and-so really wanted a guest to the wedding and then they didn't show up with anybody. And we took note. (laughs) There's a little, I think there's a little playroom there, but I also really like the place that you're going to of the anger. Well, no, of the not succumbing to it is just say this happens after every wedding. Let it go. Save it for, save it for advice for other people. So we hope that helps answer your question a bit. And as you said earlier, we hope that you had a wonderful launch party to your marriage. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. time now. My cell phone has been a sanctuary for me because I don't have a house line. So I know where this is going. Oh, I no. haven't gotten telemarketers or sales reps calling my cell phone. I stupidly ordered something online and was required to provide my cell phone. And guess whose phone is ringing off the hook now? No yeah. way. So I'm I so sorry. It would actually be really fun. And not only that, but I ordered something recently from a company and it took way too long to process. I had paid for expedited shipping and it was arriving way later than it was supposed to. So I called them up and I was a pretty frustrated customer, but I had a really good good conversation with the customer sales rep. And so I thought we would do a postscript segment on frustrating phone calls. I think it's brilliant. <laughs> From the worst that you just want to end. <laughs> Dan is Dan's rolling his eyes and bowing his head like, <laughs> Massaging my temples it's, it's, it and is, worry it's, lines. It's really frustrating. <laughs> and, you know, trust me, answering a phone call at an etiquette institute and wanting to tell someone to never call you again is pretty frustrating place Lizzie and I hold each other accountable on this. We do. (laughs) On our tough days. We're often the other's voice of reason. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. When it comes to telemarketers. Yep. People who are calling you up and, you know, really these are phone calls. They make thousands of them a day. And it's really something that you're not interested in. It's basically the equivalent of junk mail in your email. It is. It's okay to delete. (laughs) But the verbal way that you do that is not by just hanging up. (laughs) It's not the way a very dear person in my life did once by saying, you have 60 seconds. Go. 
and gave them 60 seconds to tell them anything they could and hung up after five seconds. Like, you don't need to do that. I was going to say 60 seconds is a long time. I know. I've heard of a couple who actually (laughs) plays a game and they see how long they can keep the person on distracting them with other conversations. Like, gosh, you know, my dishwasher is just making the strangest noise. Do you know anything about dishwashers? I mean, they try to put it back on the person, you know. So don't do any of that. Don't play any of those games. I think a polite but firm, I'm sorry, I'm not interested, and could you please put me on your do not call list, is the way to go if that's really the place you need to go with them. Yep. And I love the please put me on the do not call list because it it really is important language, and they're not supposed to call you back once you say that. That's actually something that if you have a phone log of of your people you've requested and they call you back, you actually can – and can I, call them out on it. I think over time, if you're consistent with adding that message to, it does help with the volume of calls. It, Absolutely. it definitely helps with the, the particular organizations that call repeatedly, that target dinner time, that oh are oftentimes the most aggressive about the way they deliver these calls. Exactly. So the next one I want to talk about are sales reps. And one of the things that I have um, really tried to picture in my own head when a sales rep from a company calls the Emily Post Institute is we have a sales rep. We have a director of sales, Stephen Putner, and he has to make cold calls sometimes. And I think about him when I start talking to the other person because I have someone that I have hired to help me further my business, our business, sorry. (laughs) You're in it too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Someone to help us further our business. But he's he's a great person. Yeah. And Don Stanion, who worked with us beforehand, was another amazing sales rep. And I would hate for them to be treated really rudely on the phone. Yep. So I try to picture them. And I try to picture how I'd like them to be treated. If you have some interest but not now, let them know that. Just say, you know – In the future, give me a call in six months when we're working on our budget. That would be great. I'll expect your call the second week in November or whatever it is. I have free time Wednesday afternoon. Find me back on Wednesday. If it's sooner (laughs) then because they're calling you out of the blue. They understand it might not be a good time. It's okay to schedule a time with them. So please do that if you can. Um, Remember that they don't know what's going on. They don't know that you're in a meeting. They don't know you're about to walk out to lunch. So be patient and just say, now's not a good time, but please – Call me back tomorrow morning. If Even that is – it might be a little vague, but if you're really on your way out the door, that's a quick something that lets them know. And, and if it's something th- that you're absolutely not interested in, it's OK to say that also. Bingo. The service isn't going to work for our company. We're not looking right now. Thank you so much. I'm glad I know about you. I'll call you if we change our minds. Yep. I will call you if we change our minds. Yep. And yeah. definitely both the telemarketers and the sales reps, they're sometimes trained to be persistent, to ignore your no's. If that happens, you just hold your ground, that firm, polite no. Once you've said it a second time, At your some point, obligation you can hang is up done. The phone. Yep. Yeah. When it comes to customer service, now this is someone who you are calling. You want the help. It does not do you any good to yell, use profanity, be upset with this person. However, I'm not going to tell you that you can't voice your your complaints. couple things to bear in mind. Speak clearly and be patient. This person is usually working in a large room. They're on a headset. They're at a computer in a cubicle farm, basically, and there's a lot of noise behind them. So, you know, be patient with them while they access things on their computer. They're at the mercy of the system that they're using. You also want to make sure that you've made this phone call at a time where you have 
maybe 15 minutes to talk. The number of times I have called up for something I have ordered and I'm like, oh, my gosh, why did I make this phone call right now? I've got to be out the door in five minutes. That was stupid on my part. I can't get mad at them for that. You want to have your info ready, your order info, your claim info, the product number, the shipping information that you have. Anything, the credit card you use. The credit card the... you use, whatever it is, anything that's going to help that service rep help you. You want to be calm when something's wrong. It's so easy to take it out on a person who you cannot see and you don't know personally. Um, it helps to state the positive and the problem. So when I called up this company last week, I said, I want to let you know that I have had such great service from your company in the past, or I have loved the products I've received, which is why when I saw this sale, I really wanted to go and get this product. Here's what wound up happening. And this is why I'm really upset. You can say, I'm really upset. This isn't how it should be. I'm so mad. I want it now. I want my money back, everything. How nasty is that? But if you say, I'm really upset. I am disappointed and displeased with services that I have asked for from your company and I haven't received. And here's why. Can you help me with this? Wow. Let me tell you. So I've told them I like their company. I told them that what they do is of value to me, but it's not working right now. So how can we fix it? So much nicer for them and for you. Who wants to raise their blood pressure? I, I don't. The whole frame of asking for help, right? Too that that you're you're about. It's about building a relationship, creating an ally, getting someone. Yeah. Who's going to be your agent on the inside? That's yeah. why you've made this call. You need someone inside to do something for exactly. you. Exactly. And this is the time to thank you, Dale Carnegie. Seduce <laughs> them just a little bit. Seduce <laughs> them just a little bit. But the other thing is that I've had that conversation where I had to explain it two or three times. Like for instance, this past weekend. I said, you know, listen, when I ordered the thing, I paid for three days shipping and that cost me $21. I can see the charge for it. And it did not ship for eight days. That's not okay. When you've told me in all of my email communications that I would get it by this date, do you see how frustrating this is? It actually took the representative a couple rounds of that to catch up to wait a second. Yeah, you ordered this September 4th. We told you you'd be here September 11th. It didn't even ship from us till September 12th. Finally, and I said, and I paid for three day shipping. Do you understand why this is now not okay? And he finally got there with me, reimbursed me for the shipping charge. But it took a minute. So give them a minute to catch up and see where the flaw in the problem is. They also might show you a flaw in what you're thinking about. Be prepared. Be prepared prepared for that. (laughs) There might not be anything that can be done. Once something's already shipping, you're at the mercy of whatever carrier they sent it with. They might be able to rectify with a refund. They might not. Mm -hmm. Um, The best thing that you can do is to state your disappointment. All they can do is listen and apologize sometimes. And that's just the point where you have to remember that you get to ch- a choice as to whether you'll ever work with this company again. Even if that's the case, if all they've been able to do is say, I'm really sorry, this is your experience. We hope you have a better experience in the future. Say, thank you for taking the time to try to help me. I appreciate that at the very least. And then hang up the phone. <laughs> You're done. But I have learned to walk away from these kinds of conversations, having a much better day, not being as frustrated when I go on to the next thing. If I can control myself and I remember the things that I can't control or that might happen with these phone calls. So so best of luck with those frustrating phone calls.
Today's Etiquette Salute begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'd like to nominate my parents and sister for your Etiquette Salute. They recently planned and hosted a weekend-long family reunion at my parents' farm and went above and beyond in their planning. My aunts, uncles, and cousins came from all over the country and thanks to the thoughtful planning, had a great time. My sisters made sure to book a block of rooms at a hotel with a pool and water slide so that my cousins who were traveling with young kids could unwind and have some fun after a long car ride. My mom coordinated the potluck-style meal to make sure there was enough food for everyone and something that everyone would like. My dad and sister took time to give tractor rides to the young kids who'd never been on a farm before. Mom made sure my cousin could find a quiet place to let her baby nap. She also arranged a ride for my 92-year-old great-aunt so that she could spend the day at the farm with everyone. My parents bought an inflatable trampoline for the young kids to play on, and my sister and brother-in-law bought some lawn games for the older kids and adults. Much to everyone's delight, we ended the night with fireworks, and everyone went home happy. I had been worried that some of my relatives would be bored. A farm in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota (laughs) isn't exactly what most people think of when they think of fun. But the reunion was a success thanks to the hard work and thoughtful planning behind it. Thank you so much for the podcast. I always enjoy listening to it and have recommended it to several of my friends. Thanks, Rachel. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That's really sweet, Rachel. I drove past a party like this just last <laughs> weekend, and as I got about halfway through the question, I started to wonder, is this a Vermont listener? <laughs> no, so thanks North for Dakota. mentioning the, the location also. Yeah. Sounds amazing. That, and does, that does. It's the little things that hosts do, and it takes effort. Something is required of us as hosts. And I tell you, that's I, the kind of thing that really brings a family together. I mean, really it makes does. it wonderful and makes them want to do it again, and that is a beautiful thing. Rachel, thank you so much for that salute. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. You can tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute and Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced and edited by the awesome Hans Buto. Thank you.